we could gather into our seats, and uh, I'm excited to be with you in the house of the Lord today, and to worship together with you. And to, if you could turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, we're going to hit verse 6, and then if you want to go over to John chapter 9, and we will read verse 25. We'll spend a little time in Romans today and uh, touch some other verses for media team in the back. I give them a lot of verses, but I don't actually read all the verses. They're just sections I'm in. Well, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, and it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise... She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And then if we turn to John chapter 9, verse 25, this is speaking of a young man that was blind from birth. Jesus heals him, he sends him to the pool, Salome, puts clay in his eyes, and then he dips in the pool, and when he dips in the pool, he comes away seeing Note that when he came away seeing, Jesus wasn't with him. So now he's being interrogated by religious leaders. And he says to them, and he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Oh God, speak to us today. This is your word. This is your people. This is your, your, all this place is yours, God. This is your city. And we are your servants. And, oh, Lord, we submit our lives to you. In Jesus' name, speak to us, oh, God. Change our hearts and lives. God, grow us in you. Set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, briefly, I'll expand a little bit. But if you aren't familiar with the story in John chapter 9, in John chapter 9, we have a, a young man who was blind from birth. And at that time, people, the societal thing in the uh, Israel and religion and all that was all kind of together. And, and yes, they were ruled by the Roman Empire, but uh, there's a lot of judgment that carries out in, their, in judgmentalness, I'll say, judgmentalness. So like when the disciples ate corn and they didn't wash their hands, they're like, mm-hmm, yeah. People were in the details. How many in here grew up in a small town. Okay. Is anybody familiar with your neighbors, meaning maybe a good chunk of the town, or it feels like a good chunk of the town, knowing your business? Okay. Uh, some of you don't know your neighbors that you have now. You might get to know them, by the way. It's not a bad thing. Um, and uh, you can bring them to Jesus. But... You have here, people would pay attention and could be a little bit judgmental. And so you have this, this young man that was blind from birth. And it's really hard to think that he must have sinned to become blind. But that's what people look at your conditions. And they would say, you did something, Joey. I know you did. One ear is bigger than the other you got a problem. I do not know if one ear is bigger than the other on Joey's head. All right? If that was true, I would not have picked him. 
And so they're like, we got to, and they would look. And they're like, well, man, this kid, he couldn't ascend. How would he have done that? Must be his parents. And it was so accepted that they thought it was real natural, Bishop, to say to Jesus, as in we're intelligent folks, so I'm going to say something profound today. So uh, did, is Joey's ear bigger than the other ear because he sinned or his parents? Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> like we're intellectual. Ah, you want to see that today? Go into politics. They stand around and, and they talk. And when you step back and you get out of the big hubbub and the big uh, 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 campaign event or whatever, get the microphones away, and you just read what they said, you go, well, that doesn't make any sense. Or, really? And you start to think a little bit about it. I would encourage you to think about what you hear and what you read and what you see and not swallow all of it because if it's not out of this book, it probably has a problem with it. Why would I say that? Because we live in a world of sin. It's corrupt and it's all influenced by it. And people have motives and they're not all pure. And we all wrestle with that sort of stuff. How much more those who are not filled with the Spirit of Jesus Christ? And so there's a struggle. So think about it. Look at it. Just because it's a movie produced by Hollywood, well, that should be enough for you to know right there. Be skeptical. <laughs> Pay attention. Sort through it. Look at it. So they wondered about this young man. And they debated it. And Jesus said, this is for God. He didn't sin. So He puts clay in His eyes and He has him go wash in the pool of Siloam and, and He comes away seeing. And people are amazed. They come along and they're like, I don't remember Trevor having a twin. <laughs> Are you related to Trevor? No, I am Trevor. Like, they're, they're like, what? We're, he didn't have eyes before. It wasn't like, hey, the frostiness went away. He didn't have it. There was no mistaking the miracle. And God was wanting to make a statement that day. Oh, that He reaches past whatever your ideologies are. Whatever you think about God. He, see, God doesn't need to be subjected to what your ideas about Him are. He isn't subjected to you think that God should fit in my box. Instead, He wants to reveal Himself to you. And it's time for you to be surprised and just trust Jesus. And so they're amazed by this. And they, they, they see Him and they, they, they begin to find out and they're like, He is that blind guy. And the religious leaders are like, hold on, this was done on a religious day? And this isn't just a violation of rules. They could not get past what they thought the book should mean and understand what God was really saying and who He really was. They couldn't get past how they had become entrapped and enslaved to their religiosity. Mm. This is meant to be lived. It's meant to set you free. And yet you can go ahead and try to tie yourself up with the Word instead of being delivered by the Word. Do not twist 
the Word of God. And do not go ahead in your earnestness to be holy and to live right. You're going to separate from some things. There's some things that you shouldn't do. There's some things that you're going to give up. Why? Because you need to spend more time with Jesus. But let's say you, let's give you an example how you get yourself tied up. Let's say, let's say you determined to pray an hour a day. Why? Because you're getting closer to God. But after three years, you missed an hour of prayer one day. Well, you're like, you know, I miss Jesus. I want to get back to that. But your prayer life could actually become something that you went away from being connected with God to just a place where you told God a bunch of stuff. And it has to be for an hour. And so now when you don't pray for that hour, you're like, wait, I sinned. Well, no, you didn't sin. But you do need to connect with God. But you could have same moment have missed that hour of prayer and yet thought you had it because you really aren't in connection with God. You just get down and you have certain things that you recite. And so in either case, prayer is not what it's supposed to be. And so you either thought it should be 60 minutes, and if it's 59, I sinned. Or if I didn't say the certain number of things and, and recite these certain verses, and then you got up and you went your way, you are missing out on what prayer is. And then you might impose this on other people. And the Church of Omaha could say, you are all called to pray an hour a day. And 20 years from now, Bishop, people would be like, Sister Nancy sinned. I know she didn't pray today because my kids stayed the night at her house. And they saw it. She got up and she didn't pray. She didn't. That's not a true story either. Um, all right. But we want to be set free. And so these religious leaders, they thought, man, he must have sinned. And, and they get down into all this and, and they go and they interview the parents. And the thing that saddens me is these parents looked at him and they were nervous that they would be kicked out of the synagogue. And they said, ask him. He's of age. There was a miracle in front of them from their child whom they had loved and raised and God had put in their life. And yet, when the miracle came, they couldn't get past of what they, was most important to them in life. And sometimes crisis will reveal to you what's most important in your life. And sometimes the miracles and calling of God will reveal to you what's most important in life. Because the presence of God will roll through this place. He will roll through your prayer room in your house. You will fill Him in mighty ways in the sweet, precious presence of God. And He will be anxious to show you all His glory. But yet you'll be like the children of Israel who don't quite want to go. And you say, Moses, go before us. That's what they did. They, they, they were like, we can't get too close to God. Why? You're like, He wants to change me. And suddenly, the blessing of God in your life, you have to make a decision. Do you want to embrace it? Do you want to change? All those disciples that were called by God, the twelve apostles, they left their life as they knew it. He took them from fishing to make fishers of men. 
would you really have said yes? Would you really have been Peter and said, you know what, I'll go to that cross? Would you, you say that looking backwards, but they were looking forward, believing in Jesus whom the rest ridiculed and put down. But this young man stood against his parents' fear. And he stood against the religious leaders and the ideology of society. And when they asked him and they were trying to say, oh man, a sinner came and God used a sinner in your life. And he answered and said, they said, give God the praise. We know that man is a sinner. And he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. He went on in conversation with them and he answered them and he said, I already told you that and you did not hear. Wherefore, would ye hear again? Will ye also be his disciples? Oh, when I read that verse, it catches me. Why? What is that man saying? He's never seen Jesus with these eyes before. They're brand new. When he got his eyes, Jesus wasn't standing beside him. He had to step out in faith. Somebody came and put mud balls in his eyes and said, go wash in a pool that you can't even see to get to. Oh, but he had a hunger and a desperation and a desire. And he made his way to the pool and he washed his eyes. And he came away seeing. But you know what he did? He didn't just rejoice that he could see. He said, I'm a follower of the one that I can't see. The one that spoke into my life. Oh, I'm his follower. And I'm willing to be kicked out of your synagogue, even if my parents aren't. I'm willing to follow him and to stand up to the, the, the smart ones, the religious leaders of the time, and to testify about the greatness of God. And you say that. You say, well, man, I would do that too. But each of us have been touched by God in miraculous ways. The ultimate being freed from sin, delivered. Delivered. We will come back to this man in our message. But we also opened up with Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And you hear that familiar word, desire, when I said it about this young man so desired to be healed and he trusted God that he made his way to the pool and he became a disciple. But we have here in Genesis 3 verse 6 that before sin was in humanity, we find the woman standing at the tree and she saw that it was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desired to make one wise. As I was studying that, how she saw the tree was pleasant to the eyes, I read that she, that word there is an intense desire. Well, that in and of itself is not a problem. The problem is what you desire. And this woman, the very first woman, 
desired the thing that God said, leave alone. What did he say? Don't eat of it. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, that tree, the fruit of it, could only be taken by one person. And that person was the one who would go to the cross, God Almighty. And he would take an understanding of good and evil and he would die on the cross so that you could live. But he had to do that because mankind entered into sin and we could not take care of ourselves. She wasn't supposed to eat of it. But she intensely desired it. And her intensity of desire led her to go ahead and believe the lies of the devil. And you say, what did he do? He began to twist the Word of God and to play with the thing that she would desire and, and to draw to it. But before all that, she intensely desired it. And her desire led her to go against the Word of God. And I know Scripture tells us that she sinned ignorantly and she didn't understand the Word like, like she should have. But man standing with her also had desire. And he, he took the fruit and he did it willingly, knowingly. The fruit was given to him by her. And he entered into sin. They got there not because they had a sinful nature. At that time, they didn't. They got there because of their desire. You see, from that time on, humanity has struggled with sin. And some of you deal with sin and you say, man, I did that thing wrong. I went to a location on the internet I should not have gone to. I talked about somebody in a way that I shouldn't have done. Maybe you, some of you went and maybe this would be your children, but uh, stole gum from Walmart in the checkout lane. Maybe you were less than honest. Maybe you, you, you did something that was corrupt, sinful. You watched something. You talked a certain way. You... you uh, uh, God said, hey, I don't want you to go to those places. I don't want you to do that stuff. I don't want you to dress that way. I, I, don't, I, I want you to treat people this way. Instead, you treated them that way. You sinned. And then you said, man, I repented. I went to God and I got over that. And then, another day, you sinned again. And in our lives, I think we can put sin into items. I looked at pornography. I gambled. I did drugs. I had an affair. I stole money. Like, right, we put it into buckets. And if we're doing that thing, we're sinning. And if we're not doing it, we're not sinning. And that's probably a pretty true statement. Like, if you did wrong, you're doing wrong. And if you're not doing wrong, you're not doing wrong. But mankind, humanity isn't just dealing with specific sin. We are sinners by nature. We were born into sin. Sin is a human condition. And that's why in Romans chapter 3, and I have the NIV, and I think they put up the NLT for this, 
Um, but Paul, in talking here, reads into Old Testament Scriptures, and he says, what shall we conclude? Do we have any advantage? Not at all, for we were all... We, for we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles are like are under are all under the power of sin. And he begins to quote scripture. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Verse 13. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. 14, their mouths are all full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. He goes on. Verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 19, now we know that whatsoever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God. We fight against sin. We wrestle with sin and it's not just a specific act. It's a sinful nature that mankind, humanity, fights against. And our, the solution we seem to think is that we are going to stand up and just say no. I don't remember if it was that Barbara Bush. I, I might be dating myself here. Nancy Reagan, okay. We got to go back. I was born when Ronald Reagan became president, so I don't know what you want to do with that. 1980. But just say no. And that's a great statement. And I will tell you, say no to sin. But that image that can get in my mind is that I come over and sin is right here, and I'm like, you know what, Bishop, I'm done sinning. I'm done sinning, and sin comes knocking at my door, and I'm like, no, you stay away, and I'm fighting against you, and you're fighting against me, and I'm determined in my mind until I let my guard down. Right? You said no. You said I wouldn't go to the internet anymore. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And then you stayed up really late some night, 2 a.m., and you were reading the news, and all of a sudden you found yourself someplace where you shouldn't be. And all week long you fought against that wall. Hear me. I don't want to be mistaken. We have choices and God did not take away your power to choose. But getting free from sin wasn't because you were so strong that you could press against the wall and fight and beat it down. No. It is because Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You didn't get free from sin by just pressing against the wall of sin. And you don't stay free from sin by merely just saying no. Oh, but you need to get a hold of Jesus Christ. You see, there's a danger when you begin to think. 
you know what? I made up a resolute mind and I said no and we went head to head, but I won out. You'll begin to get pride. You'll begin to think that you got this on your own. You'll begin to think that you were the source of the victory. That doesn't mean you're not supposed to say no. You're supposed to say no. We're going to get into that here in just a little bit more. But Jesus Christ is the one who sets you free. And He who the Son of Man hath set free is free indeed. But see, we misplace our approach. We think we need to fight sin. And we put on the, I know we got the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. But it's the whole armor of God. And it's His grace that set you free. It was His mercy that went to the cross. It's why you went down into the water and was baptized in Jesus' name. And He washed away those sins. He filled you with His Spirit. And He came inside and He took that old man and buried it. You could not do it. And everything you do is with a focus on Jesus Christ. That's why you have His Word. And you put faith in him, and that's why you're shed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's his gospel, his good news, his salvation, his hope, his deliverance. Oh, and that's why you can now say that there is therefore no condemnation, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned the world. Jesus set us free. Can we give Him a hand clap? Oh, lift your voice up and thank Him for delivering you from sin. Oh... You, the Apostle Paul says this. And the Apostle Paul had been putting Christians in prison. He held the coats of those that stoned Stephen to death. Oh, what guilt and shame he could have felt. But he was literally free from all of it. Because of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection. But we still sometimes in reality want to mistake how we overcome sin by being personally strong, standing resolute to fight against it. And we get things just turned just a little bit around. Back in Romans chapter 5, verse 15, he tells us at the end here of verse, eight, of verse 19, it says, For as ye have yielded your members' servants to the uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness and unto holiness. You said members, huh? Is that him? Him? No. You. Yourself. Your members. Your, your body. Yield. 
Oh, that word is yield. See, I don't have to stare over here at the devil and just say, no, no, no. I need to turn my eyes on Jesus and His glorious righteousness and His ways. And I need to be like that one when they go before royalty and they're knighted and that sword extends out and they make them a knight. And I just need to yield. And I need to say I'm yours. And I serve you, O God. And this armor I wear, it's your armor. And the battle I'm fighting is to grow the kingdom of God. Oh, he who the Son of Man has set free is free indeed. So when I take up my sword, oh, I'm setting people free. And I'm coming coming against the, the gates of hell. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, in Jesus' name. Yield. Yield. Servants to righteousness unto holiness. Yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. James chapter 4 verse 7. Oh, we talk about resist the devil. But it first says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Submit. Submission is the key. Submission to His Word. Submission to His ways. You need to just see Jesus. Oh, just look at Him. Look at His wonderful face. Oh, see His glory. Oh, see His ways. Desire God. Because if there had been a little something changed back in the Garden of Eden, and it would be, where was the woman standing and the man beside her? Where would they have been standing? Would they have been standing saying, hey, you know, God, maybe He'll come walking in the cool of the evening here. Hey, God, could we talk about this tree over here? I would like a little more understanding. Teach me, God. Because it's hard to stay submitted to something that you're not sold out to. You can only... Do something for so long if it's not your thing. And if your thing is the tree over here, that's where you're going to hang out. That's what you're going to pay attention to. And that's the voices you're going to hear is for the thing that you desire. But submission to God will set you free. Because when you're in His presence... When you make Him your treasure, there will your heart be also. So He says, submit yourselves therefore to God. And then we get, resist the devil. See, I'm not over here on my own. Oh, but it's over here. And instead... Now, I'm not making Bishop God today, but if you were playing that role, I would be, I'm submitted to you. Talk to the hand, because the face can't take it. All right. I'm not any good with those phrases, but you get it. Some of you got that back from a long time ago. Yeah. But you're putting him away, and you're saying no, and he's over here, and you know what he's going to do? 
He's going to boot it. Why? Because you're not just somebody in the presence of God. Satan visited God and talked to him about Job. He wasn't afraid to be there. Oh, but when you are loyal to God and your desire is towards God and you're submitted to Him, there's an enemy that says, I gotta boot it out of here. Why? Because you're strong in the power of God. You're mighty in Him. And you tear down strongholds. You're a changed person. Oh, it goes on. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. we got to read the rest of it. It's beautiful. James chapter 4. Write it down. Go back and read it. Chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Oh, this is a beauty of relationship. You see, some of you have been fighting with sin and you need to get submitted to God. You need to get lined up with Him. And if you could, if this were the world of sin over here, you need to, He set you free. And when you approach Jesus, you come out of that. And when you submit, you resist all of that. And then now you're in His kingdom and in His world. And you begin to see His glorious face. And when things come against you, you say, no, I'm going after God. I'm drawing nigh to Him. Oh, I'm hungry for Him. I desire Him. And when you can't seem to find Him in prayer, you keep praying. And when you go to church and you don't feel something that day, you keep going to church because you desire Him. And hear me, the Word of the Lord is true. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Oh, Draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. You know, repentance is a great thing. It is a great thing. Some of you have gone on some longer fasts. Some of you have gotten rid of sugars and breads and candies, and I'm not saying get rid of all breads and all sugars, but you went through some changes where you detoxed yourself. And repentance detoxes you of sin. And suddenly it is like when, that, when it's been kind of hot, and it is hot outside, and dusty, and then a cool rain comes in, and all of a sudden the sky is clear. You know what I'm talking about? That's what getting in the presence of God does. And when you have sin on you, it washes all back off. And you're clean. You're clean. You're clean. And you don't need to feel condemnation. Condemnation. As we're going to be bringing this topic here to a close in the next few minutes. In Galatians, in Galatians chapter 5, and we don't have time to read those verses, and, um, but it talks about the works of the... Uh, the works of the flesh, and then it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But then in chapter 6 here, Galatians chapter 6, it says in verse 7, Be not deceived. 
God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall reap of the Spirit, or of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season, sometimes it takes a little time, we shall reap if we faint not. Because now you have a choice today. You can desire the thing that's going to tear you down and take you back and make you a slave to sin. Or you can say, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. I'm His. I have made myself His. I've gone to Him and say, I want to be yours. And whatever you want from me, I'm your servant. I'm yours. I'm sold out to you. And begin to sow in your life His ways, His things. Spend time with Him. And draw nigh to Him. Submit to Him. And resist those things because you sow to Him. And trust me, you will get detoxed of the world. And you don't have to go back to that box because you're under the hand of the mighty God. And you too will say like the blind man, I I don't know much of anything But once I was blind, and now I see my loyalty. And that's where I want to bring this to a close at. Is that blind man said, I don't care what you think. I desire him. Oh, you know the psalmist, he said one thing, have I desired of the Lord. And that will I seek after. Oh, what are you going to seek after? What have you desired? Is your desire to dwell in His house and in His presence and behold His beauty? If it is, go ahead and stand to your feet. Lift your hands and face up towards heaven. Oh, let's begin to desire Him. Let's begin to desire Him. Oh, turn my desire, Lord Jesus. Oh, it's not a sin issue. No, that's not your thing. It's what you desire. Oh, change your desire today. Oh, go ahead. We got three minutes. Pour out your heart. Pour it out. Oh, one thing have I desired, and that I will seek after. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, don't worry about your place at work. Don't worry about your stature among men. Don't worry about what people think about you or if you'll get kicked out of the club. Oh, desire God. Draw nigh to God. Oh, go ahead. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Hallelujah. We worship you, oh God. We praise you, oh God. You are holy. You are holy. When you're desperate, you'll press through the crowd and you'll get a hold of God. You won't care what people think. Oh, you'll you'll chase after Him. You'll desire Him. Go ahead. Oh, the presence of the Lord is here. In this service to set free, to deliver, oh, to heal. 
Oh, to bring you back together. I would urge you in this second half. One story I didn't bring out, but it was the woman who had been sick with the issue of blood 12 years. And she wasn't even supposed to be in a crowd or to touch anybody because that was sinning. And she pressed through the crowd and touched Jesus and got what she needed. Why? Because she got her desire so fixed on that one thing and that was Jesus Christ and I'm going to touch Him and what would He do? Because I'm desperate. And when your desperation and desire line up, you chase after Jesus. Keep your desire on Him. Oh, i got to bring this to a close, Bishop. God bless you. We'll see you back here in 10 minutes. Let's have church.